Well, good morning, friends. Good to be with you, all of you who are watching on your uh, television or watching on your laptop or wherever you are tuning in this morning. It's really good to be with you. Um, well, we are continuing on our current sermon series, a new one called Off the Map, and I want to start off by telling you a story. Um, I went on a road trip once, many, many years ago, when my wife and I were still uh, engaged, when we were fiancés, uh, and we took a trip with my parents all the way down to Texas, a long road trip down to Texas. And anybody who's driven from Minnesota down to Texas knows it's a long trip, straight down Highway 35. So uh, we headed out uh, early one day and then stayed overnight one place, and then from there, uh, we hopped back on the road really early in the morning and drove for a little while until we decided to stop for some breakfast. Great, wonderful. Pulled off on the side of the road, found a little place to eat, enjoyed some breakfast, hopped back in the car and got back on the road. And after we were driving for a little while, I was watching the sunrise. Beautiful, beautiful sunrise. Looking out my window and seeing the sun rising. The only problem was the sun wasn't rising in the east. The sun was rising in the west, at least if we were going the right direction. I tapped on my dad's shoulder in the front seat and said, Dad, I'm pretty sure the sun rises in the east, yet I am seeing it out my window to the left. He realized the mistake, turned around, pulled us back off again. We lost about an hour of our drive going the wrong direction until we turned around and went back the right way. It's easy to get disoriented, but in that case, what saved me was looking to the sun. Yes, looking for the sun. Friends, we are off the map. We're off the map in our own lives. We're off the map in our culture. There are so many things that are going uh, just crazy today. You know, it's, it's something to be living through these times, something that we'll be certainly telling our children and our grandchildren about someday. But all of these things that are happening, all these changes that are making us feel um, disoriented, uh, making us feel discouraged, making the ground underneath us even feel unstable when we're trying to make our way through it. And when those things are happening, we have a choice. The choice is to be in fear. The choice is to run and hide or to be discouraged or to be angry or all those other sets of emotions that we experience as human beings. And whenever we are in those places, God calls us to look to his son, to look to the son, to look to Jesus. We want to look to the real Jesus and see what Jesus has for us because I guarantee you whatever Jesus has for us is good. And wherever he wants to bring us is his best purpose for our lives and a blessing to those around us. And there's a couple things we need to know about Jesus. And the first thing is this. Jesus never changes. When things around us are going crazy, when things seem so uncertain, when we're getting disoriented in our lives, Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can count on that. It's what Scripture teaches us. He was there at the very beginning in creation. He has been there all the way through the story of our lives and the story of our world, and he will be there at the end to restore all things back to the way God intended from the beginning. Jesus never changes, and we should find great comfort in that. He's a solid rock that we can put our feet on and know that nothing is going to shift him or change him. We need places like that in our lives to know that there is a place we can turn that is always stable, always strong, always reliable, and that's Jesus, who is always faithful towards us. So friends, Jesus never changes. 
but he is always changing us. Jesus never changes, but he is always changing us. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to prepare for him to do some work in you. That's just part of his desire for us. He calls us into relationship, not so that we can stay the same, but so that we can be transformed, transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, transformed by his love working in us and through us out into the world. This is Jesus' hope for us. He never changes, but he's always changing us. So I have a question for you before we go any further, and it's this. Are you willing to be changed? Are you willing to be changed? And not just in minor ways, but true, deep change, transformative change within our hearts, within our spirits, within our minds. I tell you that because if you're not ready to change, I suggest you change the channel. Switch over to some other YouTube video or find somebody else to watch because we want to be serious about following Jesus. We want to allow Jesus to do his work in us and open ourselves up fully to the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us. And I want us to be serious about that. I want us to open ourselves up to that. Hear God's word, listen, and be transformed over these next several weeks and on through the rest of our lives. We can be changed through following Jesus. And we're following Jesus off the map. We started last week by talking about a vision of what that's like. It's like being Lewis and Clark, traveling along the rivers, knowing the layout of the land until you come to the mountains and suddenly everything changes. And that's what we're experiencing right now. Everything has changed. Things are so much different than they were only just a few months ago. And that's a big shock to our systems. So we need to look to Jesus. We need to look to the Son. We want to follow him wherever he is leading, knowing that he is a trustworthy guide. We can trust him in everything and in every circumstance to lead us and guide us precisely where he wants us to go. But if he's going to lead us off the map and lead us into places that we're not familiar with, it's going to take some new skills. You know, it's different being in a canoe paddling down a river than it is trying to climb up through a mountain. It needs an entirely different set of skills. And if we don't learn those skills, we might not be as effective as God desires us to be. And we may not be as transformed as he hopes us to be in preparation for the work he has us to do in this new landscape. So we need to learn some new skills. We need to learn some new methods. We need to develop some new habits. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks. Five habits. And we're using a book as a guide for us. It's a book called Surprise the World, Five Habits of Highly Missional People. And it's written by Michael Frost. You can pick this up on Amazon for about five bucks. We are picking up some to have available here in our church office. If you're not able to get onto Amazon or if it's just more convenient for you to stop by, no problem. Stop up. We'll make sure that we have a book for you. But use this book as a guide as we are working our way through it too. Of course, we're going to be studying God's word as we let Jesus guide us as well. But some of the principles that are in this book are really going to help us to develop some new ways of engaging the world around us and developing some new habits. Now let's talk about habits for a minute. <laughs> habits don't form overnight. Habits take a long time to develop. You know, if uh, you want to get in better shape, it doesn't do you any good to go out for one week and work really, really hard at it for one week and then stop. You won't get in shape. 
As a matter of fact, you might hurt yourself. (laughs) You may make things worse and make yourself more sore to the point that you don't even want to continue doing what you're doing. If you want to work towards a habit, you want to set some attainable goals and then start moving continuously towards those goals. This isn't an overnight change in us. While the landscape around us has changed quickly, the work that God wants to do in us is a long-term work. So it starts with just some simple steps that we can do over and over and over again to allow them to develop into habits where they just become natural to us. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some of these habits, five habits, as a matter of fact. And we're going to start off with the very first habit that's listed in the book, and the habit is called this, to bless three people. Bless three people. Now, there's a catch to these three people that you have to bless, okay? Of these three people, at least one of them should be somebody who you know and are connected to through church, somebody within the church family. The Bible teaches us that we should be kind to one another, starting with those who are within the family of God. We need to love one another and show and extend that love to one another. And it's more important now than ever. And friends, these are skills that sometimes we lose sight of when we have been so accustomed to just being with each other on Sunday mornings. It's easy to turn Sunday mornings into a collapsed version of our Christian life where we get here a half hour before a service starts, we have some fellowship, we have some social time, we get to know a few people casually, feel like they are family, but we're only knowing them on the very surface level. Then we go into worship, enjoy an inspired time of worshiping together with God's people, and then we're out the door and back onto the rest of our lives, figuring we've checked that thing off the list. Now please, don't get me wrong, I love worship, and I love being together with God's people that way. Those are incredible gifts. But we lose something very important when we don't see the way that we are to be the church in the world the rest of our lives and the rest of our time. And we also give a false perception that we really know each other. You know, I heard a story this past week that broke my heart, and it's a story of somebody who has attended Community of Grace. I won't mention them by name. But it's somebody who disappeared for a period of time and and then afterwards was wondering whether or not they fit back within our fellowship again because nobody reached out to them. Nobody knew that they were gone. Now, I'm not putting this out there as a guilt trip to anybody because I'm sure that I've done that myself. People who have come through the doors, who we've known for a while, who disappear for a period of time, and we don't even think again about reaching out to them and connecting with them. That's because too often we have isolated our lives in Jesus into that one hour. And when we don't know each other deeply, we don't miss one another the way that we are called to. And we don't hold each other in accountability through love the way that God calls us to. So that's why we make sure that of the three people that we are going to bless each week, one of them is somebody from church. Now, it doesn't have to be somebody you know really well from church. But you can look through the directory or hop onto MyCG and find someone, connect with them, maybe give them a phone call, maybe it's sending them a card, whatever it might be. But connect with one of those three people who is within your congregation. And then make sure that one of the three people who you are blessing is somebody who is not a part of our congregation. Now, many of you have worked places where you work. (laughs) Maybe if you're not working at home right now, you've got some place that you're actually going to work and you've got some colleagues and other people that you're around. People who you interact with but who are not members of this congregation or you may not know whether they're going to church any place at all. 
Bless them. Find a way to bless them and be a sign of Jesus' love towards them. We're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later on here, but that's the goal. Three people, at least one of which should be somebody within the congregation and at least one person who should be somebody who is not within the congregation. Blessing three people every week. Now, what does it mean to bless someone? Well, there's a lot of different ways that this word has been interpreted. It has a lot of different root words and a lot of different backgrounds in its meaning. It can mean to bring joy and happiness to somebody, to enthusiastically encourage someone. But there's one meaning that I think is an interesting one for us to hear today, and it means to add strength to another's arm, to bring strength to another's arm, one meaning of the word blessing. And I think that gives us a visual picture of what it means to bless someone. You know, if our arms are feeling worn out, if we've been working hard, if we've been in our yard and and we're, we're heavily lifting and hoisting and moving things around, there can come a time where our strength just gives out. And we need somebody to come along and add strength to our arms by being an arm alongside us, by coming and being that extra help to us. That's one way of thinking about blessing and being a blessing to someone is to bring strength to someone's arm, to build someone up, to encourage them. What a great vision that is of blessing. But where does blessing come from? How do we see blessing in the context of the story of the Bible? Well, I want to direct us, first of all, to one of the earliest stories in the Bible. It's the story of Abraham. And in the story of Abraham, we hear the call of Abraham, and we hear God say some specific words to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. If you're there, you can read along with me. If not, open up your Bibles at another time. This is a great section of Scripture here, all of chapter 12. But let's just read it together here, starting at verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, And your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a whole lot of blessing going on. This is the heart of God, put right into the context of Scripture. God calls Abraham to this remarkable call, just one person, him and his wife, Sarah, calls them together to become a blessing to others. And the blessing that he has in mind for them is the blessing of children. They were both very old by the time this message came to them and didn't think that was even possible. But God moves miraculously in their lives, and they have a child. They have more than one child, as a matter of fact. And those children would go on to have children of their own, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, who would become Jacob Israel, who would have 12 sons of his own, the 12 tribes of Israel that would become that which God was intending to bless the entire world. It is his purpose right from the beginning with Abraham is to be a blessing to others, So Abraham is blessed in order to be a blessing, and that's really important to remember. Being blessed and being a blessing are intimately connected with one another. As a matter of fact, it's fair to say that you're not truly blessed unless you have been a blessing, 
And you're not really blessing someone else unless you recognize how you have been blessed. They work right together, hand in hand, to bless someone, to come from the place within your heart where you see the other through the eyes of Jesus. You see someone the way that Jesus sees them as somebody of incredible value, amazing worth, someone that Jesus died for, someone that Jesus desires to bring into eternal relationship with himself. When we see people through the eyes of Jesus, we get a picture for God's love for everyone. And it pushes aside all the other things that distract us about people. It's very easy for us to look at people on the outside or or get an image of someone. Maybe it has to do with the way that they're dressed. Maybe it has to do with the part of town that they come from. Maybe it has to do with the color of their skin. All of those things can be impediments in our own human desire to bless people. So we desire Jesus' heart to see people through his eyes as everyone being someone of incredible value, amazing worth, and worthy of God's love and blessing. So we are called to bless others from that place of being blessed. Now maybe you're saying to yourself today, well, Pastor Darren, that's great. But I don't feel very blessed. I don't see blessing in my own life. So how can I possibly be a blessing to someone else? Well, maybe we need a little different image of what it means to be blessed. And for that image, we're going to go to Jesus himself. I invite you now to open up to the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. And in Matthew, chapter 5, we're going to hear Jesus talking an awful lot about blessing, about what it means to be blessed. It's a great list. I hope you're excited to hear it, to hear what it means to truly be blessed. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Does that sound like what you would think of of being blessed? I don't think it's the first thing that comes to my mind, but it's what comes to the mind of Jesus. It's what Jesus wants to be declared to those first followers of his. 
This is the beginning of one of the most famous passages of Scripture, something called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is capturing the attention of all those who have gathered around him, and he sees them where they are, waiting, anticipating what it is that Jesus is going to bring to them, what it is that God wants to say to them. These people who in many cases are not the people of privilege. They're not the people in power. They're not the religious leaders or the rulers of their age. They're certainly not the Roman Empire. They are just the common people. They are the shepherds. They are the carpenters. They are the farmers. And the people just trying to get by. The merchants from the public square. Everyday people who deal with everyday things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I think a lot of us could identify with that today. I think a lot of people are feeling with the pressure of everything going on around them, with the loss of jobs and livelihoods, with the separation and isolation that people are feeling in their families, with in some cases the deep darkness that is overwhelming people especially those who are struggling with mental illness or struggling with other kinds of physical ailments and aren't able to receive the kind of care they need or receive the kind of encouragement and blessing from others that they need. Jesus says they are blessed. You are blessed when you are poor in spirit. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these Jesus speaks over and over again about the kingdom of heaven. These are the kind of people who make up God's kingdom. Broken people, real people, people who are having bad days, people who have lost their jobs, people who are worried about their children, people who are wondering about where the next meal is going to come from, people who are wondering if they're going to be safe on their streets. Those are the kind of people that Jesus declares as blessed. Those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We had one of our first more normal funerals here this past week. We gathered a family in together to say farewell to a dear member of their family, someone who was taken way too soon. And to look into the eyes of these dear people and to see the pain of loss, to see the reality of not being able to see on this side of eternity this dear, dear person who they loved. The pain was palpable. The tears were flowing. And we were there together as God's people to be a source of comfort, to bring the blessing of comfort to those who are feeling that deep, dark place of mourning and grief. Jesus brings blessing and blesses those who are in those deepest, darkest of places. And matter of fact, that's where he looks first. Jesus says that he is drawn to those where there is pain. He is drawn to those places of brokenness. That is where Jesus goes. When he sought during his earthly ministry, that is where you would find Jesus. You'd find him with the people who were struggling the hardest, who were broken the most. That's where you would find Jesus. So here's the thing. 
If these are the kind of people Jesus calls blessed, then you're the kind of person that Jesus can use to bless somebody else. Let me say that again. If these are the kind of people who Jesus calls blessed, then you're the kind of person who Jesus can use to bless somebody else. He can use you in your brokenness. He can use you in your poverty. He can use you in your place of loss, in your place of grief. Jesus can use you through that place to be a blessing to someone else. And sometimes it's in that being a blessing to someone else that you realize the blessing that God has brought into your life. Blessed to be a blessing and blessing others so that you understand your own place of being blessed. So how do we do this? Well, let me give you a few examples here quickly, some simple examples. They're in the book and they're elaborated on most, but I just want to give you a brief idea of three simple ways that you can think about blessing others. The first are words of affirmation. Now, we know this. We heard a little bit about this during the children's message, which was wonderful. Just sending a word of affirmation to somebody. Maybe you do it face-to-face. Maybe it's just saying, hey, you know what? I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Or I'm so thankful for the way that you are providing for our family. Or I'm so grateful for the fact that you cleaned up your room and I didn't even have to ask you. That's just words of affirmation. Just speaking those words to people. You know, a lot of people are very responsive to words of affirmation. And you may be surprised who needs those words. And I'll be personal with you. I'm so grateful for the words of affirmation that you send my way. I'm not putting that out there as a, as a begging or something that it's like, please, please affirm me. Not at all. But I've just seen so much that has come through the doors of this church over the last few months. So many cards, so many letters, so many notes being written to our entire staff and being able to read those words and hear things like, we're praying for you, Pastor. We're so grateful for the staff and the way that they are serving. We're so blessed by the Sunday morning services that we're doing. We so long to be together again. We miss you and we love you. Keep up the good work. Those words mean so much to me and so much to the members of our staff. So thank you for those words of affirmation and share those words with others. Look for the people in your community. Look for somebody who's not a part of your church and send a word of affirmation to them. A phone call, a note, a letter, a little FaceTime, whatever it might be. Send a word of affirmation. The second one, is acts of kindness. Now, many people respond very quickly to this, where there's just something that needs to be done. You know, I mentioned uh, uh, cleaning up your room if you're a child. You know, doing something like that in a way that, that pleases or blesses your parents may mean more to them than you could imagine, child. <laughs> or just going out and mowing a lawn, or seeing a next-door neighbor in need, finding a way to, to quickly help them out, being observant and aware of what is happening around you so that a simple act of kindness can be something that you share with them. And finally, gifts. Some people are gift givers and some people are gift receivers. And some people who like to receive gifts are very often the same people who enjoy giving gifts. And the gift doesn't have to be something expensive. It's thought through. Because the key with any of these things in blessing others is that the things that you bless them with have to truly be a blessing to them. It's not as much about what it is you think you should do. 
It's what it is that you understand about that person that they would receive as a blessing. So thinking about the other, praying about the other, being observant, asking the Holy Spirit to open your eyes so that you can see the people around you through his eyes. You can see the needs and the places where they are needing encouragement and blessing, needing their arms strengthened by you. You can be that blessing. It's going to be a habit, and it's going to take time to develop this habit. And here's the thing about developing habits. You're going to fail. (laughs) There are going to be some times where you're going to try this, and it's not going to work. And there's times where you're going to feel guilty about it and feel ashamed about it and wonder if there's any hope or purpose in doing this. Friends, that is not of the Lord. We don't start a habit like this or look to do something like this because we're looking to score points with God. We do these things out of an understanding of God's incredible love towards us first. The love that God has for you. We look to the Son. We look to Jesus and recognize his love for us first, a love that never changes a love that can't possibly be shifted based on anything you have done, anything you can do, or anything more that you can do. It's not about trying to impress God or somehow earning God's love or thinking that there is somehow that you could make God love you more. Friends, there is no way that God could love you more than he does right now. And recognizing and seeing that love, opening up your eyes, opening up your heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you, to point you to Jesus, to see his great love for you. It's from that great heart of love that we take those first baby steps towards blessing someone around us. So the goal is out there. Bless three people this week, at least one who's not in the congregation, one who is in the congregation. But whatever it is that you do, Do it from a heart of love. Let the Holy Spirit do his work in you one step at a time, one day at a time, one person at a time. Because it's love like that that will surprise the world as we're off the map. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have showered us with so many blessings in our lives. And Lord, sometimes we just don't see them or we have a wrong understanding of what blessing from you really means. But Jesus, you have made it clear that in our brokenness, Lord, we see your blessings more clearly. In our failures and in our longings, we see how you are at work in the world around us and how you are at work in our lives personally. So Lord, give us a humble spirit. Help us in our places of brokenness to see you at work, to recognize it as a work of love coming from you to us and from an overflow of that love in our lives, to look to the people around us and to see precisely where it is that you are calling us to bless someone. And Lord, right now as I pray, Father, I pray that there would be people who would be coming to the minds of those who are listening. 
There would be an individual, a face that would come to mind for you, somebody who you know you should be reaching out to this week, somebody who Jesus is prompting you, saying, yes, yes, my child, that's exactly who I want you to send a word of encouragement to. That's exactly the person who I want you to to pick up some groceries for. Oh, that's exactly the person who I'd like you to to leave a gift on their doorstep without them ever knowing that it's from you. Lord, you can do that, and you do that in the hearts of your people if we are listening. So help us to listen today, Lord, to hear your still, soft voice speaking in our hearts through your spirit, to let your love fill and overwhelm us, and then to bless the other around us so that the world can see you at work in surprising ways through your body of believers. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of being blessed so that we can be a blessing. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.